0: When I worshiped at King Avenue for a couple of years, uh, before I came on staff, I'm a multitasker. And uh, I would listen to John's wonderful sermons at the same time as I was staring at that glorious window. And so I invite you not to look at me, but look at the window. Um, And sometime, when you are in this neighborhood late afternoon, Please stop in and take a look at the window when the lights in the sanctuary are off and the sun is coming through it. What is a lovely window now is a stunning window then." And you can see all of the detail illuminated, including those words at the top. Alice Andrus, along with uh, Rick and Angela, Alice did some wonderful work on the meaning of the window. So thank, thank you all. Much of the world today is looking back 100 years. There are people who uh, are alive today who were alive then, but very, very few people who would actually have any memories of that time. So as we look back today, I'd like for you to use your imagination with me for a minute. Can you imagine what it would have been like for the people in this congregation in that time? Since America entered uh, the Great War near its end, without uh, since America entered the Great War near its end in 1917, there would have been 180 families in this congregation alone that were affected by having spouses or children serving abroad or away from them. No cell phones then. Uh, Must have been anxiously awaiting every letter, eagerly devouring the news of the day to find out not only the big events, but maybe some clues about what might be going on in the lives of their loved ones. 180 people in this congregation, no one would have felt unaffected. And then in August uh, of 1918, this congregation, uh, which I'm sure during that time frame took great comfort from coming together in worship regularly, had this edifice that they'd sacrificially to a person worked to erect just 14 years earlier as one of the, the greatest structures in the city. It burned to the ground and they lost their meeting place. The war itself, it was not called great because it had a noble purpose. It has been called a senseless, inconclusive conflict that claimed millions of lives. It was started in a climate when many European monarchs and statesmen were infected with what France's President Macron today has called the leprosy of nationalism. A modern historian says, aggressive ultra-nationalist organizations representing small extremist constituencies were stirring up hate and prejudice that provided the kindling that was ignited with an assassination. And then, in the midst of war and the fire, fire in August of 1918. In October, the flu epidemic hit Columbus. It had an impact on everyone's daily life also. By order of public health officials, uh, people were prohibited from going to theaters, places where they would be in contact with large numbers of people. They were Uh, encouraged to walk to work if that was at all possible, so they could avoid the crowds of public transport. Uh, Churches were asked to uh, be on quarantine and close, and uh, we know that uh, they did. And Yet Methodist ministers are registered. uh, It's known to have registered a protest uh, because uh, saloons were not asked to close. They, they, they provided daily food for, for daily workers, uh, and so they weren't asked to close, but you can see Methodists uh, are really consistent. Um, and this went on, this period of quarantine and being separated from each other went on for several months. In fact, the Columbus City schools were closed through much of the last two months of uh, 1918, stretching into 1919 to try to prevent the outbreak that had been so devastating in other places around the world. As it was, Columbus fared better than many other communities in Ohio, and Ohio than many other communities around the world. About 50,000 people in Columbus were estimated to have contracted influenza in the latter months of 1918. Imagine that in a much reduced population. Almost 900 died in Columbus during that time. The combination of flu and the Great War reduced the entire world's population by 6%. It must have felt like the world was coming apart. It must have felt like crazy things were happening that made no sense And I believe that when they decided to rebuild the church building, the addition of this window was not only to commemorate the sacrifice and service of those who fought in the Great War, but it was also absolutely necessary for them to remind themselves of the values and of the God that brought their congregation through times Times just like they'd experienced where it feels like the world is coming apart. Those nights in the window, those are not just a reflection of a Gothic revival in architecture. They reflect the church's identification with what St. Paul was describing in Ephesians 6, 10 to 17. St. Paul was describing what their world must have felt like For our struggle is not against enemies of blood and flesh, but against the rulers, against the authorities, against the cosmic powers of this present darkness, against the spiritual forces of evil in the heavenly places. Do you remember when we baptize infants and when we take baptismal vows, we renounce the spiritual forces of evil? And so they had to remember what it was that they needed to rest upon and how they needed to act in order to align themselves with God's values. It's significant that this is a celestial hierarchy as Alice Andrus points out. This is meant to represent not just the values that prevail on earth, but more importantly, the values that God has inscribed as part of the nature of reality. What will be vindicated? It's an affirmation written into the heavens that God is in charge and goodness is stronger than evil. What are those wonderful words written on top? Fidelity. It's such a quaint word. We don't use it much anymore. Let me help you recall its meaning. Faithfulness to God, demonstrated by loyalty and support. There's also piety on the uh, other side. The quality of being reverent or devoted. I think it's talking about being connected and staying connected to God, believing and trusting in God. The qualities of piety. It's impossible to fight evil It's impossible to remain hopeful in a world where it seems everything is falling apart without being connected to God's goodness. Service. It's not just in our heads, but it's in our feet, our actions, our doing of helping someone. And of course, in the center, as Rick pointed out, victory and peace Victory, an act of defeating an enemy or opponent in battle or a game or another competition. Thanks for bringing in Ohio State football, by the way. But it's so significant to me that in this window, right next to victory, right on the other side of it, is mercy. That is not something we oftentimes celebrate in war memorial windows. Mercy is compassion or forgiveness shown towards someone whom it is within one's power to punish or harm. Even as they lifted up gratitude for peace and the victory that brought it, they wanted that victory to be lived out with mercy. Some people... um, I know some historians speculate that a failure to show mercy to the vanquished in World War I uh, partly laid the seeds for what would end up becoming uh, World War II. In our daily lives, we know that when we've been in a protracted disagreement or conflict with someone, it can be all too easy to wish for vengeance, but mercy. Is the quality that Christians seek and that God vindicates. And what else do we see in the window? Well, that shield is mentioned in Ephesians 6. It's the shield that's held right by the central angel. It's a shield of faith. They're echoed in the shields below. And the swords, which as Rick pointed out, are not in attack posture, an allusion to Ephesians, the swords are swords of the spirit, which is the word of God. The one symbol I haven't found on here, and I wish they had it, very first thing they list as part of the armor of God in Ephesians is the belt of truth. And yes, we need the belt of truth, spiritual truth, but also truth, truth, factual truth as part of what arms us to deal with evil. When I look at the window, I'm inspired every time because, uh, and especially today, I kind of feel like there are cataclysmic events going on that are crazy in our world. Sometimes I feel like the world is kind of falling apart again. I worry about climate change and all the natural disasters that are increasing in number as a result of that. I think about weird new kinds of warfare, cyber attacks, or uh, influence that set people at dissension and so distrust and animosity between people. I think about the emptiness, the spiritual emptiness in our society that is, has that is made the opiate and drug crisis so widespread, and I think about these increasingly frequent random shooting senseless violence and i think the world is coming apart is god in control and i remember i remember the faith of the people who went through the events of a hundred years ago and i take encouragement and also direction we can't be in charge of everything we can do what we are called to do. I know some of you have been marching. Others have been working to try to get out the vote. People are trying to be very helpful and support of their families. All of the daily things that we do to share God's goodness with one another, to try to right wrongs in our world. Each one is called to do our part and even sacrificially. The last thing that looking at the window reminds me of is it's kind of in the shape, um, and I suppose this one is too, but this one's kind of in the shape of what I uh, see as the simple gravestones that uh, are most often found um, in cemeteries, just a very simple arch shape. And it reminds me of uh, a wonderful TED talk Uh, of David Brooks that I heard, where he asked people to consider whether at the end of their lives they want to be known for the accomplishments on their resume or the values uh, that were written on their epitaph by the people who love them. And uh, he suggests that the virtues that mark our lives and our daily interactions with each other um, are the things that are really in of endurance. And so I just challenge you to think, as I often do, if I were going to write six virtues or values that I try to align my life about, what would they be? Would they be these six? Or could they be something else? Either way, we're truly blessed to have a legacy given to us of faithful people who sacrificed to proclaim and live out the reality that God's goodness is stronger than evil. And may we be blessed to do that also. Amen.